Hi mamas, survivors, change makers. I see you all. This is the I See You Mama podcast where we share anything and everything to do with maternal mental health. We welcome guests to share with us to ignite change, instill hope, and inspire us to care for mothers better tomorrow than we do today. It truly takes us all, you and me, together. I am your host, Christina Delaney, and today I'm so excited to speak with Jessica Thomas from Duplin County, North Carolina on the East Coast. She is a childbirth educator, doula, lactation counselor, and maternal mental health advocate that wears many hats and doing amazing work. So without further ado, let's talk to Jessica. Welcome everybody to the ICU Mama podcast, all about maternal mental health. I'm so excited to have Jessica here from Eastern North Carolina. Welcome, Jessica. Hey, Christina. Thank you for having me today. Um, Absolutely. So Eastern North Carolina, I live on a bunch of land with a bunch of chickens. So if y'all hear a cock-a-doodle-doo, <laughs> just ignore it. <laughs> um, uh, thank you for the introduction. Um, a little about me. I am a mom of three boys, <clears throat> ages seven, five, and three. My husband, Bill, and I have been together this week, um, is our 11 year wedding anniversary. Happy and anniversary. I, thank you. Um, I'm also a survivor of a perinatal mood and anxiety disorder um, several of them actually during all of my pregnancies and postpartum periods so with that came my need and desire for advocacy um, awareness you know getting my story out letting women know that they're not alone so I'm a certified lactation counselor a Lamaze certified childbirth educator, a birth doula, postpartum doula. Um, I volunteer with Hope Women and Family Services Incorporated in Eastern North Carolina. I volunteer with Postpartum Support International North Carolina. I'm on the board as their advocacy chair. And I also um, have a role, like you, with the Maternal Health and Wellness Network. I'm the head of membership um, for them. So super excited to be here and to talk about advocacy and proclamations and all of that good stuff. Yeah. And that's a lot of educational background and certifications and roles and everything. It is. So, and if I remember correctly, you, um, didn't really realize that you had a perinatal mood or anxiety disorder until two years ago. Yes. So, so that was, was after your last child, right? Yes. That was after my last baby. He was about a year and a half old. So he was almost two. And <clears throat> it's where I met you at the postpartum support international two day training in Raleigh, um, in North Carolina. And so I knew as a childbirth educator and lactation counselor that 
I knew about the baby blues, you know, and I knew about postpartum depression, but I was not depressed. You know, my idea of depression is not being able to get out of bed, you know, not uh, taking care of yourself, maybe lacking in self-care. And I could be totally wrong about that, but that was my idea about depression. I did not know about anxiety. I did not know about intrusive thoughts. I didn't know about psychosis. I didn't know about rage. I didn't know about any of those things. And what's so sad about that is that I taught women. I taught families, you know, I spoke with partners and I did hand them a piece of paper from postpartum progress, you know, saying, Hey, you have any of this stuff, you know, be sure to, go over it, talk with your doctor. This is a, you know, a, com a discussion tool, et cetera. But when you are in the trenches, and I'm sure you can attest to this, you have absolutely no idea what's going on. Like you do not know, you cannot see outside of yourself and outside of the situation. So I, um, with my first, I had no idea. I knew about the baby blues, but I didn't have the baby blues with him as bad. It was just a lot of anxiety, but again, I had no idea. I just thought that that was par for the course, you know, for, for being a new mom, not knowing what to do, but the guilt was completely overwhelming. Um, so with my second, I had the baby blues for the first two weeks. I would cry at, you know, the same time every day for no reason. I had a lot of guilt about four months, three or four months postpartum with him, I remember nursing him in our recliner and I could literally feel it roll in like a fog. The intrusive thoughts just totally came out of nowhere. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Why am I thinking this? And, you know, I knew that they were wrong. I knew they were horrible and I did not want them to be there and that was what was so mentally taxing is sorting through the thoughts and saying no go away no go away no go away and when I um, told my husband what I what the thoughts you know were um, saying or whatever <clears throat> um, he completely freaked out <laughs> you know oh my gosh you're gonna do what you know and I'm like no you're not understanding what I'm saying I didn't say I was gonna do it I said that I I just keep having these thoughts and they keep coming and I know they're wrong and I think I you know I need some help and so I met we met with our pastors I met with our pastors they prayed over me and literally the next day I got up and they were gone so I'm like okay yay this is a miracle you know this is awesome so with my third, I had a plan in place um, as far as who I was going to reach out to and say, hey, I'm just having a really hard time. Can you pray for me or, you know, whatever. Um, so I reached out and reached out and reached out and reached out and it was getting tremendously worse by the day. I had a birth trauma. I had immediate PTSD, immediate anxiety. Um, I mean, in, in the hospital, I, it was awful. Um, so I did not tell my husband because he freaked out the last time and I didn't want him freaking out this time. Um, but I was in a super, super, super bad way. And every place, everywhere that I reached out, I wasn't met with what I needed to be met with. 
you know, um, and that's okay because not everybody knows about this. You know, that's one reason why we take awareness so seriously. So when a mom like me or you reaches out and, hey, this is going on, you know, we are cared for like we're supposed to be cared for. So I um, reached out to my midwife probably four or five months postpartum. It had gotten really bad, but my social support was lacking tremendously. And I was, you know, it was a situation where my husband and I had had argument and he said something and I'm like, okay, I need to get on meds. So I text my midwife that night. She asked, are you okay? You know, are any thoughts of harming yourself? And I'm like, no. And <laughs> I wasn't going to tell her, you know, that, well, now that you think, now that you say something, um, but I got put on Zoloft, um, at the, you know, minimum, like maybe 50 milligrams or whatever. And I was on Zoloft for three or four months, enough for me to feel like myself again. And I took myself off. <laughs> so then, um, you know, it, nothing stopped, nothing stopped. The only thing that stopped was my reaction to situations, you know, whereas normally I would, you know, kind of fly off the handle or be angry. You know, it was, a, I wouldn't, I wasn't as angry, but none of the intrusive thoughts, none of the anxiety, none of the planning routes to the grocery store and, you know, all of that stuff stopped. Um, it wasn't until, like you said, I went to the postpartum international training, postpartum support international, and I heard these symptoms and I heard these signs and I, you know, saw all this stuff and I thought, oh my God, this is what's wrong with me. I, there's a whole book and a whole training on what's wrong with me. You know, I was so shocked and so surprised to hear that I wasn't alone and so I remember leaving the training um one afternoon and calling my OB provider to get put back on medication because I'm like okay this is treatable this is what I you know this is what I want to do whatever and that really that whole situation that basically that whole weekend was what transformed um you know into my story and all of that stuff now um you know again when I reached out before and I wasn't met with what I needed to be met with it was the same thing this time I know what's wrong with me I have a PMAD and I'm going to be treated and I'm going to get on medication and I had two people I had two people that were in my inner circle tell me one told me I didn't need medication I just needed to pray more I'm sorry you're gonna hear a kid <laughs> um and the other <laughs> yeah and the other one told me um that I did not have a PMAD that I was just trying to find a group to fit in with because I was going to be weaning my child soon, which I'm still breastfeeding. He's almost four. So I thought, okay, if I am an educated person and I 
am a lactation counselor and I am a childbirth educator and I have a good support system and I have a good social circle and I met with this, what are moms met with that don't have what I have, that don't have the support, that don't have the education, that don't have, you know, the ability to say, no, actually, that's not right. <laughs> um, I'm going to keep going. And so that was really the fire that was lit under me to learn everything I can learn about this and to tell every person I can tell, you know, every mom and to be available for them because it was bad. Yeah. And I, I think that's so one thing that's so amazing about your story is that you were a childbirth educator. You had the knowledge, you had the education. Um, you know, just like me, I was a registered nurse. Supposedly, mm -hmm. I was supposed to know. Um, but I tell so many people, you know, we don't know what we don't know. Um, exactly. And what we don't know, if, if a mom doesn't know, the signs and symptoms to look for or the risk factors or how, who to reach out to, she's not going to. Absolutely. Um, and that's, that's why I say so many times too, it's so bittersweet to know moms that survive it and get fired up and are ready to advocate and do more. Um, cause we, we hate that they went through it. Unfortunately, it's not going to stop. Um, but you know, it's, it's sweet to know that they're ready to make changes and help other moms. Absolutely. So, um, I'm so glad that you went to that training and knew what to do. I'm sorry that um, the friends that you confided in weren't extremely helpful. It's um, all good. <laughs> but I think you're a wonderful advocate uh, for other moms and in a hard area. Um, rural mm -hmm. areas are so tough, um, so tough to get into OBs and get changes done. Um, so tell me how, what it was like to not only get, take care of yourself at that time, but begin to advocate to make changes in your, your area. So I think I'm the kind of person that in order for me to make a change about something that I'm super passionate about, I tell a lot of people, you know, I just got mad at it. I just got so mad <laughs> that I was like, not another woman, not another mom. You know, this has got to, got to end with me. And so, you know, there are, a few, there are other people who, oh yes, awareness, and that's great. We need to let every mom know, and that's fine. But you know, I had to <clears throat> have some really hard conversations with people, and also be very introspective in myself. With okay, realizing that when I got pregnant with my first, you know, I had so much anxiety all of that stuff that it wasn't just after my first, after my second, after my third, I had three babies in four years. And so there was a lot, you know, going on and also, um, being untreated for so long, you know, and realizing that 
this is not my fault. I did not bring this on myself. It's huge. Um, and so taking that anger and taking that, um, you know, some, I'm not going to say resentment, but I can't find another word that fits there that, you know, sounds like that, but taking those negative emotions and wielding them into something that is useful, which I think is super important. Um, so like I said, I learned all I can, or I learned all I could. I met you there. I also met Marcy Reagan, which is the founder of Hope Women and Family Services there. And so that was a, just a super pivotal moment in my life, period. You know, there's, I'm sure you can attest to things where, <clears throat> you know, nothing is wasted. Mm -mm. Yes, you know, everything happens for a reason, and, but I feel like it's our duty to look back on those things and to find the reason. You know, a lot of introspective um, thinking that I did and sorting through emotions and sorting through times and, you know, having to like label things. Okay, yes, this was my postpartum anxiety. This was intrusive thoughts. You know, it got really bad there for a while. Um, I'll tell you this, after my third um, you know how Facebook and Instagram, the, the ads just know what you're thinking. You know, you can think of baby diapers and they Strangely, come up. Strangely, yes. <laughs> yes. So weird. <laughs> um, so an ad kept coming up for a drug trial that treated postpartum depression. And it was like, we'll pay you, you know, to <clears throat> be treated with this drug. And I was so desperate like so desperate, I messaged, you know, asked, can we bring our babies? No, you can't bring your baby, but your baby can visit during, you know, the day. I'm like, well, I'm breastfeeding. Uh, so that's not going to work. You know, that moms are willing to sacrifice themselves and their emotional health and well-being so much. And we really should be more educated on self-care and how important it is, you know, that we can't pour from an empty cup. So I declined, you know, going, um, but again, everything happens for a reason. If I would have been treated then, you know, I wouldn't have the experience that I have. So I definitely think using that and wielding that, um, is super important. And, you know, also seeing you at mom Congress and knowing that we have a voice um, and that our voices, you know, that we should be seen and we should be heard. And, you know, I think one of the takeaways in all of this and, you know, how much of a public health crisis that it, this is, every single one of us have come from a mom. There's not one person on this earth that is alive, has been alive, will be alive, that is not going to come from a mother. So we should right. all, every single person should be on their soapbox about this. We've got to do better. Yeah, um, you're absolutely right. And that uh, training for me was a pivotal moment too, because that right before that was when I left my full-time nursing job and went in to get more training. And um little did I know do what I everything I do today um 
And so, but you're absolutely right. Uh, everyone comes from a mother and I, I full-heartedly believe that the more we can take care of parents, mothers and dads and caregivers, the less problems we will see down the road and even divorce rates. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that, you know, they say that divorces, a lot of them are financial. Um, I think a lot of them are because of mental health issues that start with starting a family. Um, Absolutely. And so I think the more we can educate, raise awareness, advocate, and change policies, and right now is a, right now we're in a pivotal moment um, where uh, policies are being made. And so, yeah, I, um, let, let's start talking about that, you know. Well, hang on just a second. Let me say this. You mentioned divorce rates and how this affects families. Um, so a big thing, you know, in the United States, in every educational system is early literacy. You know, children come out born learning. A baby is born learning. They don't reach a point where they start learning. You know, they are interacting with the mother, with the father, you know, um, being whether they're bottle fed or breastfed, looking at the mom's face, interacting with her emotions, watching her smile, listening to her talk. So if you have a mom that is depressed or anxious or whatever, that affects that child. Yes. On up, there are studies that have been done that prove that postpartum depression specifically affects early literacy rates, affects children. So there's one issue that, you know, we didn't know about that that, now that we know about that should involve other people other than us mental health advocates. Okay, we need to get the early childhood education people in here, which (laughs) that's what my bachelor's degree is in. And I actually did a paper on postpartum depression and literacy rates. Um, But also, um, you know, you said we've got, you know, we talked about we've got to do better. What can we do? How can we take care of the mom? Um, I was at a local zoo with my children and we were walking around looking at these different, I believe they were, I think it was some kind of like special monkey it might have been a bird, honestly. I don't know what it was. I don't remember. It was some kind of animal. After the mom has the babies, the dad takes care of the babies for a certain period. So the mom can survive. Because if not, the babies take so much, they're so taxing on the mother and they take so much nutrients from her that she will die. And, you know, they, those animals know that if the mom dies, their species dies. They are animals. They are (laughs) in a zoo. We are humans. We have so much more thought and capabilities. And here we are, mamas having babies, and we send them home and wish them well. And that is all, you know? So we have got to get this right for the good of our species you know if anything else (laughs) yeah you're yeah that that's amazing um 
and absolutely right. Like there's so much that we can do. Like why, why does it take, honestly, it takes, unfortunately, a tragedy mm-hmm. that happens. And then the thought, what can we do? Well, it's, you know, it's almost too late, especially right now when they're, the resources are slim. <clears throat> Absolutely. When we've been talking about this for years. Um, so, yeah. Well, okay. So let's talk about um, advocacy and your role in North Carolina as the advocacy chair and what you, how you got the proclamation. I know um, I've gotten several here and it's, it's fun to do. (laughs) Um, But how, what that process looked like for you. Okay. So when we were at mom Congress, um, Carrie Banks was there as well. And she was at the time she was the co-chair for the PSINC board. And she also uh, is employed with big PSI, Postpartum Support International. She was the volunteer coordinator. Now she works directly with like getting state chapters um, started and getting them what they need and all that good stuff. So she was with me and we were on the same team because we're from North Carolina. She's right up the road. Well, I say right up the road. It's probably a good hour and a half. Um, so she asked me when we, I think we were either there when we got back, you know, would you, would this be something that you're interested in? And this was my first time advocating outside of my own, just sharing my story on Facebook. So it was super high adrenaline, (laughs) um, a lots of walking (laughs) and, but it was really awesome to be able to go into my representative's office and tell them, hey, I'm a donor to your campaign. I'm a primary voter and I'm a constituent. And I've come all the way from D.C., Duplin County, to D.C., Washington, D.C., to talk to you about what I would, you know, what's going on and, and basically why you should care about this. And so I told them a little bit about my story. We talked about the momnibus um, bills and, you know, my representative did not sign on to any of the bills that we, you know, showed his um, staffer. The staffer was super, super nice guy. He was from Greene County and knew a lot of my family from Greene County. So I think a lot of, it's not what you know, it's who you know. So being Mm -hmm. able to, oh, you know, oh yeah, mm, they're my cousin, (laughs) you know. Um, But what I thought was cool about the whole, you know, situation besides being like having the past and actually going in the halls and the elevators and all of that, it was just such a surreal experience. Um, was that the other North Carolina group, they went to some other representatives, um, GK Butterfield and Alma Adams, and they both signed on to the bill, to the bills that we were peddling. You know, it's almost like, hey, you want to buy our chocolate? 
you know, hey, we've got some <laughs> bills you want to sign on to. And also Representative Adams um, since then has also had like a meeting or a town hall about maternal uh, mortality, specifically with black women. So I know that we were seen and heard, you know, as a whole, as a group. Um, something else from the year before that, <clears throat> um, there was a bill that was passed. I believe it was called Matters. Um, you know, each bill has like this fancy name, you know, Mama's Voices, Mommy's mm -hmm. Act, Moms, you know, all of this stuff. And so because of that bill, North Carolina received money specifically to have training to train people in eastern North Carolina to be trained in perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. So there were a lot of people from rural eastern North Carolina that were able, that were able to go to the training for free so we could get boots on the ground. Um, so Carrie asked me, you know, hey, do you want to be the, you know, the advocacy chair? And I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, that'd be so awesome. So, you know, I, I had a plan in my head. I'm sorry. Um, I had a plan in my head. Okay, this is how this needs to go down. First, I want to get a proclamation issued, you know, and also um, realizing um, who you are, you know, in certain situations. Like we saw they were doing a military exercise at my husband's office in Kenansville and my representative, his like number one guy was there. So I'm like, hey, hello, I'm Jessica. <laughs> I'm the can we talk about, you know, this? And he's like, oh yeah, here's my card, you know, all that stuff. And talking with the county commissioner, hey, I want to get this done. He's like, yes, absolutely, you know, let me know. And so then when I officially got on the board and all that good stuff, I know the first thing I wanted to do was the proclamation. And so the proclamation could give us this tool. And so we could say, this is our, hey, you know, do you know that May is a maternal mental health month and Governor Roy Cooper signed this proclamation? My hope was to get it in the news and, you know, that everybody would know and all that good stuff. Um, that isn't exactly what happened, but it's all good. So the proclamation process for me was super easy. It definitely wasn't um, the huge, you know, daunting mountain that I thought it was. We have a lot of tools that are at our disposal, you know, in the age of the internet now, there's data all over the place. You can Google how to write a proclamation. So I started, okay, here's a fact. The fact is that over 118,000 babies are born each year in North Carolina. So we have at least 118,000 moms that could be affected by this, at least 20% of those mothers. That counts only birth mothers. That doesn't count adoptive families. That doesn't count dads. That doesn't count you know, um, same-sex partners, you know, all of those people that are also affected. So these are the babies, these are the moms, and these are the statistics. At least 20% of these moms are affected, you know, and also <clears throat> being in Eastern North Carolina, 
and having the lovely rural health care that we have where, you know, there's not a doctor on every street. We don't have a lot of support groups. There's not, you know, uh, doula, community doula programs and things like that, like they have in the bigger cities here. So that also can be used to our advantage to, you know, that we even have a bigger problem because being low socioeconomic status, not having access to health care, um, being in Duplin County, we're surrounded by military bases. There's Camp Lejeune in Jacksonville, Fort Bragg and Fayetteville, Seymour Johnson in Goldsboro. They're all in eastern North Carolina. Being a military spouse increases your, you know, risk of having a PMAD. So <clears throat> um, being a young mother increases your risk of having a PMAD. As a whole, teen pregnancies are on a decline, but not in Duplin County. They're on an incline in Duplin County. They're on an incline in Eastern North Carolina. So that sets us apart as well. Um, being a black or brown woman also increases your risk of having a PMAD. So I put all of that information in here. So what I was really saying is that Eastern North Carolina is a hot spot for this and we need more awareness. You know, we need more people here. And so by the proclamation, by naming <clears throat> May Maternal Mental Health Month and, you know, that that being recognized statewide is a big deal for us advocates. And it's a big deal for North Carolina moms because we are saying that this needs to be recognized you know, that people need to be made aware of this. So it doesn't pass a law. It doesn't set forth any rules. It just says this is an awareness tool. Um, and because of the coronavirus now, that awareness tool is just like, you know, other than emailing news companies and all that stuff is just kind of sitting still because now, you know, we're on this lockdown quarantine, so we can't go anywhere. You know, I can't really um, meet with people, so to speak. Um, so we're just, as the advocacy chair, I'm waiting. Um, every state should have a maternal mortality review board. North Carolina does. We're fortunate that we do but there are not any spots available on that. That's my next um, step is to get some, an ear on that board or for us to find out, hey, what can we do to make sure that North Carolina is tracking maternal mortality specifically, you know, regarding PMADS, um, that we're doing that correctly. And also getting as many providers trained like frontline providers um psi does frontline provider training so we would be training you know uh pas and nurse practitioners and general you know um what are they called primary care providers pcps to for me to be able to go in there and say hey i'm having some issues you know what can i do rather than waiting two months for a psychiatric appointment or, you know, whatever. Um, something else that I would love to do is to get into <clears throat> the WIC offices. Um, 
So I worked for WIC for a while as a breastfeeding peer counselor. I took it upon myself to make sure that I was talking to every mom about PMADS because yes, breastfeeding, you know, absolutely. But more importantly, you need to know, you know, about this. Um, so that was a big deal. But WIC, we see moms so way more often than OBs do, especially in the postpartum period, if they're on the breastfeeding peer counselor program, you know, so I'm talking to them uh, every week leading up until delivery in the last month. So week four, three, two, one, then um, like two days after delivery, another time within the first week, uh, every week thereafter for the first month, then every two weeks, you know, for the next month or whatever. And then every month, not counting when they're coming in for nutrition appointments and things like that. So um, we, there is a safety net in place, you know, with moms being able to reach out for breastfeeding help, but who is asking the questions of how are you feeling? How are you getting any sleep? You know, what kind of questions do we ask? What do we do whenever they answer, you know, a yes or no to a certain question? We talked about rural health care and what a big deal it is because of lack of resources. But in Duplin County, I'm fortunate because if you do not have insurance, you can be seen at our health department by a telepsychiatrist through East Carolina University. Um, you can be seen by a therapist or a licensed clinical social worker at the health department for free. So I would have moms that would have issues and I would call to scheduling. Hey, I'm sending a mom to you to be scheduled with so-and-so or <clears throat> the therapist was right down the hall. So I would say, Hey, I got a mom for you, <laughs> you know? So we were getting help right then. Um, a lot of the pediatricians here give the, Edinburgh postnatal depression mm -hmm. scale. Um, I have my own issues with that. Um, just, I don't feel like it accurately um, measures anxiety and intrusive thoughts, which is what I had a problem with. Um, and also, what are they doing when a mom scores? You know, I want to call my pediatrician and say, hey, you remember all those Edinburghs? that I filled out, you still got them, <laughs> you know, um, what do we do with that? Well, so, there's a lot of issues with our, one of our pediatricians here, they have a whole psychiatric team in their office, which is amazing. And they've been working on that for years. Um, but a nurse practitioner reached out to me from North Carolina and she's in Fayetteville um, mm -hmm. and was like, we've got to do more because we're not, we're doing these screens, but we're not doing anything with them. What can we do? Um, and she was like, cause we have no resources. I'm like, all your resources right now are virtual. So now mm -hmm. is the time to be giving resources. And, and I gave her a few, um, but I'm like, just screening. If you're screening just to get the data or hmm. yeah. to be able to bill <laughs> because they can bill insurance for those screens mm -hmm. it is not right and it should be making you angry so um, so when you have a mom come in and she has not gotten any sleep and she has multiple children or even if it's her first and she is 
super nervous because it's her first time being out of the house with the newborn. She just, you know, a human has emerged from her body, whether through a major abdominal surgery or flying out of her vagina. Um, she's probably not feeling the best, you know, and let's say that she's, the baby's crying and she's trying to breastfeed or the baby has pooped everywhere and they hand her this little tiny little pencil that barely fits in her hand and the sheet and says, Hey, I need you to fill this out. Like, okay, uh, give me a minute. <clears throat> so whenever I looked at the sheet the first time and I'm like, this is BS. Like this is, you know, I, I just d dismissed it almost. Um, I joke after having my third, I had a birth trauma, I had a fourth degree tear and I was sewn up lidocaine doesn't numb muscles so it was very traumatic for me and one of the questions on the screening is have you been able to laugh and see the funny side of things you know like you usually do and I'm like my vagina and my butthole was sewed up with no medication nothing is funny like no I'm not depressed but let's talk about what really happened you know so I remember the little girl coming in and giving me the paper and I hand it to my husband. I'm like, will you fill this out? Oh no, you need to fill it out. I'm like, okay. Um, I'm changing a diaper. I'm trying to get a, my boob in his mouth. Um, no. And my husband knows me be better than anyone. So I fill out paper when I did have like four or five things on there. Nobody asks you about that. Nobody asked me and maybe I didn't score high enough. You know, I'm sure I'm positive. I wasn't honest because my thoughts, when you have anxiety and you do not know that you have postpartum anxiety, my thought was, I wonder if this is what they use to take vape, to take kids away from their parents, you know? I bet this is how they know how to call DSS. So I better make sure that I score really good, you know, on this test. And, you know, even meeting with my midwife, when I called them and said, Hey, I need something. I need to be on medication. I I remember looking at him and, you know, he's like, so what's going on? And here in my head, like, I'm having these crazy intrusive thoughts there, this and this and this, you know, where I should have been completely honest. And I'm just like, I'm just a little overwhelmed and angry and I need some Zoloft, you know? So I think, um, along with advocacy and proclamations, we've got to be really honest with ourselves and no, and, and providers need to be trained on intrusive thoughts. Doesn't mean that you're going to kill yourself or your baby. The fact that you know that it's wrong and that you're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so freaked out by this is very telling, you know, yeah. and there's so many women <clears throat> as a PSI coordinator, I am the volunteer coordinator for a number of counties and I don't get near the calls that I should be getting. So that tells me that there's a resource problem here that people don't know. Um, but I got a call from a, um, a CPS worker and she had just had a baby and she was, you know, really upset and crying. And she said, I take people's babies, you know, ch children away from this, for this stuff. No, you don't, honey. No, you do not. You do your job 
because someone has acted on that, not because they're thinking it and not sharing it with people. Um, and so again, I think that's where advocacy and awareness really needs to come into play. And, you know, we're fortunate in the age of social media that we can search by hashtags or, you know, that our stories can be shared and all that stuff. But I feel like, and I'm sure you feel the same way. It's not enough. There is a deep, 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 deep trench that moms are in that they're not able to see the, you know, the light or, you know, the land above them or whatever. We've just, we've, there's so much more that we can yeah. do so much more that needs to be done. Absolutely. And in my, it's almost been exactly five years since my crisis. And since I've been sharing and advocating like the needle is moving just a little bit, but it's like four years. Like, why can't we make more movement in four years? And I will say about the screening, I used to be one of those that's like, no, we can't do 100% screening unless they're doing exactly right. But, you know, data is very important to be mm -hmm. able to move the needle more um, because physicians and policy, you know, is so focused on data it's data driven it's just the way it is um so i will say that but i hope it's my hope that especially right now that moms are not ignored but it's also my fear that um you know moms are going to be the most affected by this one of the populations that's most affected emotionally um and they're also going to be the most ignored um even still uh, I hope they're not. I hope I'm wrong, <laughs> but I, I already see it. Um, well, there even, was a study done. Um, sorry to interrupt you. I have, a, I have a problem. <laughs> um, there was a study done that I heard about at a maternal mental health um, meeting. It was at Wake um, AHEC, and it was after the PSI training, but so these, you know, people did a study and they had a group of people listen to a child crying. And so they asked, how do you feel about, you know, what kind of, on a scale from zero to 10, what kind of pain do you think little Johnny is in? And they would give a number. And so same people, same exact crying, you know, ever ever how long later on a scale from zero to 10, what, you know, level pain would you describe that little Susie is in? And so by far across the board, they said that little Johnny was in more pain than little Susie when it was the exact same cry. So society thinks that we as women over exaggerate or that we really don't know what's going on in our body or with our children or you know whatever and across the board women are not seen and not heard so that is one place that needs to start you know that needs to be we need to believe women you know, when they say something is not right, something is not right. And also, um, 
you know, this is a multifaceted solution. I feel like it's not just with mental health. It's not right. just, with, you know, OBs or midwives. Um, Absolutely. Hope Women and Family Services. We are a community doula organization. So we are birth doulas, postpartum doulas, lactation people. Um, all of us, most of us have been trained through PSI and, so we are actually applying for a grant with the Department of Health and Human Services in North Carolina to start up a doula program. It's going to be, the grant's going to be for three years and how we are um, picking who goes through the doula program in this grant is their risk factors for a PMAD. So that's going to be, you know, our, um, how you get picked. So are you young? Are you single? Low socioeconomic status, black or brown, military mom, single mom, history of, you know, mental illness, history of PMADs, multiple pregnant, you know, multiple um, babies, all of that good stuff. That's how we're going to pick who goes through the program. So you get prenatal, you know, classes, you get a birth doula, you get postpartum help and it's up to you. We follow these moms up to a year after birth. So these moms in our program, these 30 or 40 moms, however many it is, are going to get the help that they need. And that's going to give us some good solid data, but yeah. giving us good data while these women are helped, which is huge, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> so um, I'm trying to think what else we're doing, you know, the climb out of the darkness in North Carolina, which all of this stuff, you know, with the coronavirus has kind of come to a stop, but it's also super fortunate because now we're doing way more support groups online, you know, so moms aren't having to leave their house. They can leave their kids outside in the yard with the chickens like I do and come in and <laughs> participate in a support group or a podcast. Um, there's lots of awesome organizations that are being born out of this, like the Maternal Health and Wellness Network. You know, if you and Lisa hadn't had the time on your hands to think about, hmm, let's see how this needs to go down, you know, that wouldn't have happened. Um, lots of people on social media, you know, I also feel like that um, with moms, you know, being home more and with their kids more, that it's also in, in parents in general, dads as well, it's shining the spotlight on mental health in America mm -hmm. because everybody is in the same predicament right now. Yeah. You know, like Mom Congress or 2020 Mom Shared, the national hotline now that's come out like 911 but it's 988 and it connects directly to mental health providers so there's a lot of good things that are um that are coming out of this too and you know being in the birth world period you know we all started out the human race you know um started out with women caring for women throughout childbirth throughout the postpartum period and then we had this time where we forgot it. Everything became medicalized. You know, everything was very black, white, 
and then also your idea of bouncing back after pregnancy. But I feel like that everything is slowly coming back to its roots. You know, you have more people desiring midwives and natural births and doulas and more people breastfeeding and wanting to do, you know, all of that. And also realizing the need for a village after two, you know, and the need for um, storytelling the need for um, being real with yourself and being real for others. So I think that even the two steps forward and one step back, that we are making progress. But like you yeah. said, the needle is moving very, very little, but it's moving. Yeah. <laughs> so but that's it, good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right. The needle is moving. It's slowly moving. And there are some great things coming out of this. Um, where, like I said, the you know nurse practitioner reached out to me from Fayetteville, and although she didn't think there were resources, I said, there's plenty of resources. They're all virtual right now, so take advantage of those resources that are there. Um, mm -hmm. So thank you so much for hopping on with me and um, letting your kids play with the roosters and chickens outside <laughs> talk to me oh they're um, in the living room now but i've locked the door i've heard the knob jiggle once or twice i almost wish that there was some kind of electrode i could hook to it so when they touched it it would give them a nice little jolt and they would back away <laughs> i'm sure there is something like that available every mom knows what i'm talking about okay yeah. every mom knows. i can hear mine arguing in the living room so they've probably had their had their time and now they need mama so absolutely well thank you so much and thank you um i will put any information in the show notes and um uh listeners we will see you next time yay thank you. thanks see ya